Dragons. I like dragons. Do you like dragons? I like dragons. Do you like dragons? Uh, yeah, I like dragons. What are you guys' favorite dragons? Mine is the dragon's tail dragon. Dragon tail, dragon tails. Does what dragons do. <laughs> Let's all What's go your favorite dragon, dragon tail. My favorite dragon? My favorite dragon is dragon these nuts across your oh, face. Oh, shit. Is- you stole it. <laughs> God damn it. Is that what you were going to yeah, say? Yeah, yeah. I like the dragon in Titanic. No, nope, I don't think... I think you watched the wrong Titanic. Where the dragon ate the they hit, they, they hit a dragon in the ocean. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, that, that one makes sense, Lucas. They were dragon across the iceberg. Favorite yeah. dragon? Dragon D's nuts. That, that's just your favorite dragon? Yeah. So we've got the Titanic dragon, dragon tails, and dragon D's nuts. Okay, yeah. I, that, that fits. That checks fits out. Character. All checks out. All answers. You can't handle the truth! You won't bring back your goddamn honey! But I know it will! My mom always said, We gonna rock down to Emuki Avenue, and, and then, then we'll get it. Aya, and then we're gonna, then we'll shoot some fire. Mm. Yeah. Um. What's up, boys, listeners? What up, brand dogs? Speaking of dogs, remember last week how Louis puked in the middle, and we had to pause. We had to take our dogs to the pet ER. Uh, Caesar had an Addison's flare that gave him gastroenteritis and acute pancreatitis. Louis also had gastroenteritis just because he was so stressed that his brother was sick that he decided to get sick. So that little pathetic piece of something over there cost us an extra $1,600. Homeboy got uh, sick just to choke, you know. Just just to be a part of the gang. He really succumbs to peer pressure. Yeah, he didn't want to be left out. (laughs) <laughs> but he's recovered now. He's they are both recovered and they're here. Um Amoogies though. That's love, my first question. I love I love a good Amoogie. Are movie. you guys a fan of Amoogies? Yeah, I love Amoogies. That was the Amoogie movie. It was Adam Sandler, right? Um no, it was I thought it was TJ Miller was the lead in the Amoogie movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a good joke though. I like that. Amoogie. Um oh. my other question is are you guys a fan of uh, Daryl from The Office? Yes, always. Craig Robinson. Craig Robinson, yeah. yeah. His character really grew throughout the series. His name is Craig in real life? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's tragic. That's tragic. No, no, that's Craig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is just Craig. Um, well, if you're a fan of Amoogies or Craig Rob- Daryl from The Office, you've come to the right place. This is the good, the bad, and the movies. And this week we watched Dragon Wars. No! It doesn't have a lot of like subtitles too. Like the Dragon War, D War. Yeah, it's Dragon, Dragon Wars colon D War. Yeah, I think D War is a terrible name for a film. D War of the Dragons. <laughs> Did do you fuck with D War? <laughs> That's what they said during the Vietnam era. Do you fuck with D War? Yeah, yeah. I, that's a, that's a very common phrase, mm-hmm. specifically for the Viet Cong. Yeah, 
Yeah. Which had a lot of themes in this movie. The Viet Cong? Yeah. I mean, close. It's like kind of like it's more Korean, not Vietnamese, but. They were, they were both wrestling with whether or not they should be communist in the in the middle of the century. Well, I guess the Vietnam War is also about like North versus South Vietnam and yes. this is like a North-South Korea. But why do you thing. think they were split? Communist. Yeah. That's why America got involved. Yep. And Russia. America. Yes. Because Southeast Asia was really just the playground for these ideological battles being waged by the political superpowers of the world. Just like in this movie. The Amoogies play the roles of the, the superpowers. Devin, why are you trying to mess with your badge? It fell off, so I had to put it back on. Um, I don't think this took as much location as Southeast Asia. It was more like L.A. and hell, but... Um, yeah, Mordor. <laughs> yeah, wherever the fuck that was. It looked a whole lot like Mordor. <laughs> well, Dragon Wars, D-War, before we get into it... Our beer today, our, our pairing. Um, I think I've used this one before, but I had to bring it out again because it's too poignant. It's Missoula Locals Byron Brewing Company, and it's their Dark Hef Ale. It's Dragon's Breath. Dragon's Breath, Dragon's Breath. Does whatever a dragon's breath land. Does. Um, 6% alcohol, so it's pretty good there. It's a pretty good one. I'm trying to see if it has any... What's the what's the flavor profile? Um, it's heavy. It's somewhat malty. Mm. It's got a good amount of hops in it. Nice. Cool. Speaking of hops, frogs. Marina once had a frog that she caught in Alaska, and what? her yeah, and her. I thought it was in. Oh no, maybe it was in Columbia Falls when she went to visit her family. Anyway, um, her and her sister caught it, and they named it Hopsing. <laughs> Did it last a long time? To be determined. They probably, yeah, they prob- I, I can't remember. They probably killed it. They probably did, but I can't fully remember. So we'll have to get back to you on that one. On, on the on Hopsing. The, the fate of Hopsing, yeah. So we're drinking Bur- Dragon's Breath. That's our beer. And like I said, I think I've used it before, but I didn't scour my 44, 45 different scripts that we've done in the past for what it was. So To be clear, only Brand is drinking. I drank an iced chai with oat milk and three shots of espresso you did an iced chai oat milk espresso drink yeah mm. damn lucas you're drinking water water and a little red bull and i'm drinking the beer and we also had cinnamon rolls cinnamon rolls this morning and i ate my own shit in the bathroom a couple minutes ago and we got pizza rolls nice. later so we're, we're set for the day Food, drinks, don't, shit. Don't you worry about us. <laughs> we have sustenance. Don't so. worry, Grandma. <laughs> have you been eating, young boy? For, for all you grandmas out there, I did eat my own fecal matter. But would your grandma be sustained. proud that you're eating cinnamon rolls, fecal matter, and pizza rolls? Or would they want a more hearty meal? They're just happy you're eating, honestly. Depends on the Jima, you know? There's different grandma standards. Yeah, I guess that's true. Okay, well, we, we can definitely provide for ourselves because we rented Dragon Wars today, Amazon Prime, and Dragon Wars. Our director today is Hyung Rae Shim. Hmm. Korean director. Oh, it sounds like it. He's done films such as Young Goo and Count Dracula. Count Dracula? That was one movie, Young Goo and Count Dracula. Oh. <laughs> Another one is Young Goo and Princess Zuzu. Hmm, my favorite of the Young Goo. 
<laughs> the Young Goo franchise. Trilogy, yeah. Um, he's also done The Pink Can. Okay. That sounds sexual. Yep. He's done Power King. He's done Dragon Tuka. <laughs> he's done Reptile 2001. No. And The Last Godfather. Godfather 3? No, it's actually called The Last Godfather, oh. not Godfather Is it at all part of the franchise? I don't know. I didn't look too deeply I would. That. I would highly doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he's mostly actually an actor. He's okay. really well known for acting in a series of movies called the Young Goo series. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's him. He's Young Goo. Our writer today is Hyung Rae Shim. Young Goo. Um, he's written... Things like Reptile 2001. Nice. And The Last Godfather. He didn't okay. do any of the Young Goos. But he is Young Goo. How do you spell Young Goo? Young? Phonetical. Y-O-U-N-G-G-U. Yeah, don't remember when we thought it was the Young Guang thing? But it was the Young Goo... Young, young Goo Arts. But it was the Young Goo Arts. I'm trying to search it up, but I don't... It's one word and then no, it's another not. G. It's Y-O-U-N-G hyphen G-U. Oh, yeah, that counts as one word. Pretty much. What are you finding? A musical artist? What is going... Oh, it's like a... What? <laughs> what are... It's Young Goo, man. Oh, my God. Like this a... looks terrible. Looks He's like, like an oafish figure. Yeah, it looks like a dumb and dumber kind of situation. Look, he's missing a tooth. I don't think we need to watch those. I think we do. I think they're all in Korean, though. That's nothing, fine. Nothing wrong with Korean Korean. Cinemas, Korean cinema is great. Mm. Except for this one. Except for Parasite. Yeah. The yeah. best picture winner for 2008. No, so that's our director-writer. So he did it all on his own. Kyung Rae Shim. Woo! You don't need no man. <laughs> and our cast today includes Jason Bear, uh, Amanda Brooks, mm. Robert Forster, who was the Jack. He's like a face that I recognize. Um, Craig Robinson, Amy Garcia, Chris Mulkey, John Ailes, and Elizabeth Pena, the yeah. secret agent Amanda. <laughs> Linda Perez. Linda Perez. So really only one actor I knew. Craig Robinson. Yeah. I know Robert Forrester from somewhere. I've seen Jason Bear's face, but I... He kind of looks like that guy from, uh, isn't it like Law and Order or something? What is the one... With Shamur, Shamar Moore, uh, he kind of looks like the nerdy guy, but he's not. No, but, no. I hate procedurals. Um, but yeah, so that's our cast. And a plot for D-Wars is that once in 500 years, ancient mythical creatures come to Earth wreaking havoc and destruction. This time, they must be stopped. Yeah, you can't really wreak havoc, I feel like, without a little, little destruction. Destruction comes with havoc. Yeah, yeah, they are mutually inclusive. Yeah. Um, but this time they must be stopped. The previous times, the future... Nah. This is the time. This is it. This is now. My, Michael Jackson's This Is It. His 2008 <clears throat> movie when he died? His concert movie thing? It wasn't when he died, but yeah. It was just like his like comeback, sort of. But it was. I think it came out the year he died. No, it was far earlier than that. Oh, it was? I think Michael Jackson died in like 2002. 13 or 14 no he died in 2008 no this is it came out way before that because he was still alive you look up when he died oh you look up that i'm gonna look when he died 2009 you're gonna be you're gonna be hurt you're gonna be hurt when i get there i'm already there 
Oh, also 2009. I fucking told you it was the same goddamn year. Ooh. Mm. Well, I don't remember the two being related, <laughs> but I saw This Is It in theaters. Oh, you did? Yeah. And? This is awesome. Oh, okay. Yeah. I heard actually a lot of people enjoyed it. Was it just like a concert, basically? Kind of. Concert film, yeah. Behind the scenes. Oh, perfect. Well, this is it then. Some history for D-Wars. D-War is a 2007 elite... English-language South Korean action-adventure fantasy film. Originally it's a mouthful. <laughs> originally titled Dragon Wars, and still referred to this title in publicity material, D-War has a long production history in South Korea. The film was announced in 2002 by director Shim Wong-rae... Hyung- Wait, his name is different here. Hyung-rae Shim. Shim Hyung-rae. Yeah, they in they invert. Well, yeah, in Chinese cultures, yeah, they can they're kind of interchangeable. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, um, the Asian film cultures. was announced in 2002 by director Shim Hyung Rae as his follow-up project to 1999's Young Gary, which wasn't in his IMDb, but Are you sure it's not Young Gary? <laughs> no, it's one word, Young Gary. <laughs> Young Gary. But as as with Young Gary, Shim opted for a mostly American cast. Um, the next three years were spent creating the creature effects, all of which were done in-house by Shim's Yungu Art Movie Company. Um, a 110-minute cut was shown at the American Film Market on November 4, 2006 and at the Berlin Film Market on February 8, 2007. The film's final cut, however, was edited down from 110 minutes to 92 minutes for its South Korean and American releases after getting feedback from preview screenings. In March of 2016, it was announced that a sequel entitled D-War 2 Mysteries of the Dragon would be co-financed with China's H&R Global Pictures. Um, The film's release date is to be determined. But that's been going on for six years now, so... So it's got to be good. It's going to be real good. It's going to be Transformers-esque. There's going to be eight of them, too. Hmm. There's going to be a Transformers D-War crossover. With maybe a little Fast and Furious. Do you hear that there's going to be a Transformers Fast and Furious crossover, potentially? Where a family's got to take on the Decepticons? Oh, God. Family. Family is everything. Do it for my family. What just happened? (laughs) Look at that (sighs) beak. I had to sneeze. I know, but why did your sneeze, like go back inside i <laughs> cut it off <laughs> you can do that he sucked it back in i feel like that that would like blow your diaphragm up eardrums something it's actually the key to my my cardiovascular health <laughs> that's his core workout for the sucking week. in just, his sneezes he just like braces his core so hard and it counts as a workout if back to the movie if Fast and Furious, not this movie. If Fast and Furious and Transformers were to have a crossover, who would win? Well, the audience. You would think that. Oh it, yeah. You'd think that it'd be the Autobots, but I bet they fight for like the whole movie, and then they end up being friends. That that'd be yeah, I guess. family. That's always what happens, and they come together to defeat some bigger enemy. Yeah, like Kong Unicron, Godzilla, Con- yeah, Congress, yeah. <laughs> Like the, re- the Dom, Dom Toretto and Optimus Prime versus the Ted Republican Cruz. Party <laughs> and King Kong. Ted Cruz and King Kong versus Optimus and Dom yeah. Toretto. King Kong was elected to office as the representative of Skull Island. <laughs> yeah, which the U.S. has Dem- adopted as a territory. Yeah, and so then Godzilla was elected as a Supreme Court justice. 
Yes. To fill in for Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Because yeah. of his outstanding record at Northwestern University. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and, and his peace among the ocean. He's all for, like, a, a marine life, you know? But he has He's... controversial stance on abortion. <laughs> yeah. These are things that you might have missed in the previous Godzilla, King Kong. Mm-hmm. Fast and Furious and Transport. But they all connect. In some way or another. Yeah. And D-Wars will slide, slither its way in. Yeah, the Moogie. Slytherin. Yeah, Moogie is a key witness with to, to Harry change Potter. the case. Yes. This is going to be the biggest blockbuster. The Harry Potter, D-War, Godzilla, King Kong, Fast and Furious, Transformers. Political drama. Political <laughs> crossover. Yeah, it's a, it's a political courtroom thriller. <laughs> It's like uh, Trial of the Chicago 8, but with... Chicago yeah. 7. Chicago 7. The 8th is King Kong. Yeah. <laughs> King Kong is just wearing like a suit, and he's getting his papers together in Congress. And Godzilla is the judge. And the it Supreme could be Court all judge. about race and King yes. Kong, you know? And it, it could be a, a narrative on racial policies in America. Yes, because he's trying to get critical race theory put back into our schools. <laughs> This is a hell of a movie. <laughs> and then Ted Cruz and Dom Toretto are viciously against it. Yeah. No, they're fighting each other. They're on the same side? The, no, they're on different sides. Ted Cruz is with King Kong. Yes. Do you think Godzilla is a Republican or a Democrat? Hmm. Um, He's formed off of radiation. Or is he an independent? So he hates nuclear warfare. Hmm. Well, he's wouldn't a... he like that because that gave him his power? But maybe he hates that he's sentient now. Like he always returns to the ocean, indicating he's eco-friendly. He destroys cities to create more jobs for the local populace, mm. and to and, and to, to reduce their carbon footprint, and mm. to help population control. I bet he's a Democrat. Yeah. Oh, I'm saying Republican, easy peasy. Two Democrat, one Republican for Godzilla. Chime in on spotify that will be our question i'm gonna write that because i'm gonna forget that by, <laughs> by next week is godzilla a republican or a democrat that's the important stuff here <laughs> see there's that sneeze coming out delayed <laughs> that's why that's why you don't hold it in lucas <laughs> that was my godzilla noise oh okay godzilla a democrat or republican Okay, now we can get back to the movie. Which let's movie? talk about King Kong. <laughs> we talked a lot about. No, let's get to D Wars. It's budget time already. Oh wow, really? If the books are here, you better not fudge it. It's time for the facts about the budget. Wow, that was really good. Ninety-nine million dollars. Wow. Wow. It's a big budget. There's a lot of action in this. So. In, in parentheticals, it says the budget was set at 30 million, do- 30 million won, approximately $35 million, but ultimately went over budget in order to create the various creatures in the film, with some outside estimation as high as 75 million won. No dollars. But it was at 99 million. <clears throat> That's in dollars. This is won. Dollars, dollars. All of them with the dollar symbol is dollars. Mm. Won. The DVD release confirmed that it did indeed cost $99 million. See? Is the Chinese won more than the USD? Less. According to this. No, $30 million equals $35 million, so it's worth more. But just barely. Money's complicated. But and isn't Won Korean? This is uh, a Korean film. Not Yon. Oh, how do you spell Yuan? W-O-N, Won. 
How anyway, did he spell it? I did the Yuan. Chinese. Anyways. Yeah, one South Korean won equals 0. 0.0008 USD. I don't know. That's what I found on the internet. But $99 million. Yeah, and also this was what? 2007? Yeah. Yeah. But a result of that budget, opening weekend, it made $5.4 million. Total in U.S. and Canada, it made... <laughs> 11 million dollars and worldwide it made 75.1 million dollars making this a certified flop 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 flop, flop so it flop, lost flop. 24 million dollars if it had sticked to that 75 million dollar budget it would have broken even almost exactly and if it would have stuck to the 30 million dollar budget it would have been a huge success yeah, but then it would have had way worse creatures yeah um I also read that for the box office, like, this is one of the, like, oh, wait, let me see if it's in my cat's facts. Never mind. I'll get back to it later. Yep, fast forward a little bit. Yeah, it'll, it, it, like, Korea made up the bulk of its, the bulk of ish of its Mm. Mm. box office return. Yeah. So, yeah, 99 million. They went... Basically seventy million over budget. Hell Damn. yeah! When your budget was only thirty million, they for D War, they tripled their budget. Yeah, there were a lot of helicopters. There were, and some big locations, a lot of action, and mm-hmm. we mentioned the CGI, not that bad. Devin was real skeptical going in. Yeah, I thought it'd be like really shitty. Uh, like, what's a bad CGI movie other than? or other than birdemic that we've had i don't think we've had that many super bad cgi ones i mean the velocipaster yeah that's not cgi that's on a different level yeah Yeah, that's all practical the cap from outer space was awesome yeah and that was mostly practical i don't think we've had that many bad overly bad cgis yet star wars had some bad ones yeah and phantom menace Space Chimps. Space Chimps is very bad. Which we haven't watched yet, but it will be in the future. So, yeah, good CGI, but they spent a lot. Sure did. And now it is tagline time. You gotta make a song like Lucas did out of budget. Uh, well, I'm gonna let it shine. <laughs> let it shine. Do the tagline. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. They've made our world their battleground. Very monotone from you. Thank you. They've made our world their battleground. Mm. That is a, I guess that is a fact. Pretty boilerplate. Yeah, yeah. The one and only. Mm. Even more boilerplate. That's worse. Yeah, these are very like. They didn't even deserve a cool voice from you. Yeah, Google, like, what would a typical log line tagline be logline yeah that's that's for that's for script writing yeah that's the same thing though yeah they didn't they put zero the one and only is it is the one and only the girl is it the emugi is it probably meant to be like the one and only dragon wars i bet like on their post but it happens every 500 years (laughs) quit that (laughs) I don't know. That's bad. They, they yeah, I guess. I, I rate those at six out of twenty. They, mm. they made our world our battleground is better. 
but like yeah it's so basic it's a basic bitch mm-hmm. where's all the creativity she's just it's just tagline just out here drinking pumpkin spice lattes should we come up with better ones wearing uggs yeah yeah give them that d war mm. uh uh which a moogie will prevail dragons <laughs> that might be better than the one and only yeah. is in in like in parentheses italics hesitantly <laughs> dragons, dragons. <laughs> yeah so that's that's what we got they some shitty taglines a decent budget though yep and now it's time for our drag our moogie facts Cats facts what you've just seen was the scale of the Amugi itself. And the light, that was the light from heaven. The light from heaven? Amugi? Sit down. Amugi, it is a creature from a Korean legend which turns into a dragon. Long ago, there lived great serpents called Amugi. They lived in the heavens above with their legions of followers. Every 500 years, one Amugi was rewarded for its good deeds with a chance to become a celestial dragon. In order to become a celestial dragon, the Amugi needed to receive from heaven the gift of the Yueju. What are you talking about? That would have been the perfect time for you to sneeze. Do hold in your sneeze. <laughs> Um, I don't have a lot for D-War. For a Moogie fact? For a Moogie fact. We'll keep talking, because I'm going to be right here the whole time, buddy. Okay. Yeah. You will definitely be right here. Um, my first Moogie fact is that, no, quit shooting rubber bands. I haven't even shot one. You just love to shoot rubber I, bands. I do. It's like um, this is the first Korean production in nearly three decades to receive wide theatrical release in the U.S., Really? Nice. America's so uptight about them. We're like, I don't want to read subtitles. Like, that sounds like homework. I, yeah. It's... Which makes sense because when Bong Joon-ho for Parasite accepted his Best Director Award, he went up there and he said, if you Americans would just learn to read subtitles, you would be open to a, a much, va- a way more vast world of great cinema out there. Like, he called out America for it. Yeah, fair enough. We just can't read fast enough, you know? We're not that good at reading. We all read on a fourth grade level. Yeah, or like thinking, you know? We think on a third grade level. Yeah. And we act on a second grade. And we have the politics of a first grade. (laughs) We have the politics of Godzilla. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, nothing really until like some of Bong Joon-ho's stuff came out. So, um, Parasite, um, Snowpiercer was pretty well released and received so yeah talking um, korean cinema yeah this was the first in three decades to receive a wide theatrical release in the u.s mm. so yeah. it was the most mindless one with the most english in it yeah a whole american cast yeah um have you seen parasite yeah snowpiercer nope have you seen both mm-hmm. i love snowpiercer mm-hmm. Snow- i didn't know it was korean snowpiercer i hardly know her Ooh. Yeah, I think I think it might even be Bong Joon Ho. It is. Yeah, yeah. I had no no idea that it was Korean when I watched it the first time. All right, 
The Departed was based off a Korean movie. Yeah. Old Boy was a Korean movie. That yeah. That was very well received. Yep. Yeah. Uh, second, Amugi fact. At the time of its release, this was the highest budgeted South Korean film of all time. Mm. I'd wager it's still up there. That was my budget thing from mm-hmm. from the budget facts mm. that I was going to say, but I didn't. So I see. But yeah, so a huge budget for South Korean film. Next one. The music. No, oh, this says Meraki. It's supposed to be Baraki. The music associated with Baraki and his army makes extensive use of the Dies Irae melody. I don't um, know that one. A medieval chant traditionally used in ceremonies for the dead. Since the 19th century, it's been used in context evoking the macabre and the supernatural. I just put this in here because I've sang Dies Irae in choir. Mm. Does Ooh. it have a hallelujah in it? It does not. Oh. We I, sing a lot of songs with hallelujah. I'm surprised, it. yeah. No, it's very di- DS mm. Very. That sounded pretty happy. No. It's dark. I think it's on YouTube. I can play it for you. I'll believe you. Right now. And that's where I plug it in. Is that you inserted the clip there? I inserted the clip there. Wow, wasn't that great? That was amazing. It was so dark and melancholic. And the the, the it hits you quick. The electric guitar yeah. was ravishing. <laughs> it was crazy how they broke their guitars on the stage after. Yeah. And they said fuck the police. Yeah. And they like honestly way too many racial slurs for my liking. A lot, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's DSE day for you. <laughs> the nineteenth century medieval chant. Caesar's so happy right now. This is the best day of his life. <laughs> Caesar boy. Alright, my next one is that on August seventh, two thousand seven, South Korea's Moonhua Broadcasting Corporation or NBC morning live TV show broadcast the film's final scene on television. Without the permission of the studio, causing a big controversy. A few days later, the Ministry of Culture and Tourism released a statement in which they said that the incident did not violate South Korean copyright laws. Wow. So I don't know what their copyright laws are over there, but they just just played the movie. (laughs) But the thing is, is they played the end of the movie. It's fine because nobody could see what happened anyway because it was so dark. I was wondering if it was like... Like a morning show thing that they like, oh, and here is actor, director, whatever, coming to talk about his movie. Here's a clip. You know how they do. Probably is what On The is. View. Yeah. On Get Up on America. Jimmy Fallon, all that sort of stuff. They yeah. Do. Um, only two more. Shortly after this movie was released, due to fan complaints about the movie, theaters received an email from the film's production companies authorizing refunds to be given to any audience members at any time throughout and immediately after the film ended if they wished. Wow, that's pretty noble of them. Who did that? The The movie theaters. The film production company, yeah. Yeah, the film... The theaters received an email from film production companies to authorize refunds to anybody who requested it for this film. That's That's probably why they didn't make it much money. (laughs) They were giving it all back. They lost all their money by giving it all back. And my last one is our nominees. Um, At the Asian Film Awards, this was nominated for Best Visual Effects. It did not win. Hmm. At the Grand Bell Awards in South Korea, it was nominated, or it won Best Visual Effects. At the Blue Dragon Awards. Of course. It won the Audience Choice Popularity Award. 
and it was nominated for Best Technical Award. Yeah, it's a festival about dragons. I'm sure it yeah. did quite well. Uh, and for the most part, just situated in Asian cinema awards, but still, visual effects and things like that. Let's give it its props. Yeah. I mean, the CGI was good. The special effects were good. We will say it again. We thought nah. they were going to be shit. Yeah. I thought they were pretty middle of the road. I mean, for what it was, I was pleasantly surprised. Pleasantly surprised doesn't mean good, though, technically. Are you saying that they are still pretty good? Well, I think, yeah, I think the CGI mixed with the practical practical effects and the costume design. And the Bolkos? Yeah. I mean, the Bolkos look like crap, honestly, but, like, everything else. Like, the Knights looked really good. The Knights did look really good. Um, You loved the Bolkos, Lucas. Yeah, they just kept bringing them up, yeah. <laughs> and that's the end of our Amoogie facts. Time to get into the movie. Time to get into the Amugi. It's the movie time. He hates that. He hates that game so much. Caesar, he hates being bombed. <laughs> He's not hating it as much right now as he usually does. Because Devin's protecting him. All right. First you. note from the movie is Showbox Production Company. Weird little intro with uh, a little... Yeah. I don't even know what it was. It was like a white little... One of those stress balls with the happy face on it. Yeah, I was going to say a face blob. A stress ball with a face on it is better. Yeah. But following the Showbox production animation, we get the Young Gwart production <laughs> logo. We're like, what the? F- who is Gwart? <laughs> young Gwart. Yeah, it is Young Goo Art. <laughs> as it turns out. Who the fuck is Gwart? That should have been one of my quotes. That's a good rapper name, Young Gwart. Up in the motherfucker. Young Wait, Gwart. Young Goo was the. Yep. Oh. This is his own production company. Huh. Young Gwart. <laughs> Sucking on your girl's young farts. <laughs> I was trying to come up with a rap too, and I thought of fart, but it wasn't sucking on your girl's young farts. Watch out for him. <laughs> Yo, young guards a fucking menace. Buying all your girl's young arts. <laughs> young farts. Chopping up her young body parts. That's better. Okay, so we've got through our production, and now you get like a narration. Um, it's the the time of dragons has only just begun, you know. Um, oh, I know. Every five hundred years, a woman is born that can use her powers to change good serpents into a mighty power to destroy the evil. That's kind of our background that we get, but we get so much more background throughout the movie. Yeah, a lot of back, a lot of flashbacks, a lot of flash backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So now you get some guy, our our lead guy, Ethan. He's at some just absolute site of mass destruction. It looks like basically a meteorite came through yeah. and just and tore up the ground. And the Native American guy is screaming like, you did it this time. You you really, you woke up the beast. The beast has risen. Yeah. All that shit. This is not your land. And now look yeah. what, this, what you've done. And then the theme of Native Americans and the presence of Native Americans ended right there because there were no more mention of that. They really shit on Native Americans and homeless people. <laughs> they go out we'll get way. to the homeless people. Yeah. yeah. Um, so our main guy, Ethan, just 
goes under the border, the the rope. Police, ta- police, police tape. tape, yes. He just walks right under, starts videoing the scale being brushed off by some paleontologists or whatever. Yeah, these cops come and are like, hey, you're you're not allowed to film here. Get the fuck out of here. But then he's like, I've seen... Or he says, he's like, I've seen this before in his video when he's watching it. And he's got this weird pendant necklace on. And when he looks down, you get a flashback to 15 years earlier, 1992. And he's in some weird pawn shop as a kid. And he's, like, wandering as his dad tries to sell this knife to the pawn shop owner. And he stumbles upon this magic box. That opens. On its own. Yeah, and it has, like, a blinding light akin to the Pulp Fiction suitcase. Oh. Yes. And then. That blinding light blasts him. Yeah. And then that immediately gives the old pawn shop owner a heart attack. (laughs) A fake heart attack. He does fake him. To get the dad out of there because this little boy basically is chosen he's he's part of this legend where this box because the scale was in the box yeah now we get a big long drawn out explanation of the legend of a moogie it's like 20 minutes by the way <laughs> which i th- i thought the whole movie was going to be about yeah the old times and just be like a that would have been cooler story time kind yeah. of deal. story time story time story time yeah, so it's about the Amugi legend. Every 500 years, the Amugi serpents chosen by heaven try and become a celestial dragon. Um, both Baraki and Amugi covet Yuyiju. <laughs> Yuyiju. But Amugi, I thought, was just the name of the dragons. Like, there's a good Amugi. All Amugis covet Yuyiju. Yes, but I wish the good Amugi had a name like Baraki had, you know? Maybe. Because they're both Amoogies, I think. Well, good angels don't have names, but the bad ones, like Satan and... I think good angels. What about Gabriel? He's gay. (laughs) (laughs) Can't be an angel if you're gay. Yeah. According to Christian logic. Then you're just a gangel. (laughs) Nice. Getting gains. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so you get the bad serpent, Baraki, tries every 500 years to possess that power of Yuyiju, to use it for evil. To become a celestial evil snake. Dragon. dragon. Yeah. With the evil general as well. Yeah. As his henchman. But lucky for the Yuiju. Well, so the Yuiju is the <laughs> word. So, because we're just saying words. <laughs> Yamugi and the Yuiju yeah. and the bullcross. <laughs> the the Yamugi are just these serpent creatures. And there's one named Baraki who's bad. and then He's the, black. The Yujiju is... is Yuiju. The, the Yuiju is... <laughs> The woman who can give birth, or no, who can change, no. yeah, the woman who when she turns 20 can change. The yuiju is just the thing, and then the, the thing spirits. goes in the woman. Oh, fuck. The yuiju is the spirit. Yuiju. <laughs> the the yuiju is a spiritual entity that is embodied in a 20-year-old woman that can be used to save the universe and turn a an amugi into a celestial dragon yeah it's a blue marble so it is a blue marble they, so, a floating magical blue marble so lucky for the yuiju <laughs> they get protectors in the form of an old man and a little boy yeah and now it's korea 1507 yeah and this is the last time it has happened yeah he's all up in him um and a woman has died in childbirth and gives birth to nadine a Yuiju. <laughs> the Yuiju holder. And you know that 
because she's born with a red dragon tattoo on her left shoulder. The girl with the dragon tattoo. Mm. Oh, shit. That's what that movie's based on, mm-hmm. is D-Wars, mm-hmm. even though it's a Swedish novel that came out way before D-Wars, but... But this is a centuries-old legend. <laughs> yeah, this is 1507 Korea, baby. You boys gonna share the couch? No. You gonna kick Lou off? That's fine. Um, And so, now you get a bunch of training fighting montages with Haram and uh, Bushan... Yeah, Haram is the little boy grown up to be a little man protector. And Bushan is... The protector of Narin, the holder of the Yuyiju. And the old guy (laughs) is Bushan, and he's the old protector who sort of just helps out. He trains Haram. Passes on this amulet, which is supposed to keep him from all harm. Dependent. Dependent. And then they get attacked by... Before they get attacked by Buraki... You find out that Haram has fallen in love with Narin. Yeah. Now you're complicating his destiny to protect her at all costs and for her to sacrifice herself to the good Amugi because love has come in the way. I see. Love can transcend time. There yeah. you Even go. Even though we need a good, a good Amugi. Hakalugi. <laughs> Do a boogie. So... Now, yeah, he gives her on the pendant that the main guy was wearing, Ethan. You yep. see that? It supposedly they, it harnesses the good Amugi spirit. They see the good Amugi. They do see the good Amugi breaching in the water like a whale. He's like a big sea serpent thing. And so now in Korea, there is a giant warrior army attacking the village. Yeah, and, and sillily. Sillily? Comically. They are led by these big sort of oafish dinosaur creatures with missiles strapped to their backs. Yeah, it's... Naturally. Yeah, and then you have warriors riding velociraptors. You got Yeah, you got the cannon dinosaurs, you got the, the horse riders, and you've got the bullcos. Yeah. The flying dinosaur dragons. Yeah. And so you get 15, 16th century, early 16th century Koreans trying to fight magical warriors and dinosaurs and artillery and they're fucked yeah rocket artillery (laughs) yeah and they're here for the girl the cgi this is the first time we really get to see cgi and it's like devin said actually quite good for what it is um and this village just immediately gets absolutely fucking wrecked like all the koreans have are like pirate ship cannons yeah which seemed weird and And they're just lightning birds what did you say like halberds yeah Good for, you know, long-range attacks across a, a plains where mm-hmm. cannons are being shot. Yeah. And uh, they the, the village gets absolutely wrecked. The The army takes... All the women. All the women, checking for the tattoo, and then they find Nadine. Yeah, because one girl sells her out. Yep, and they kill her whole family, and they're, they take her away from the village. They're in the woods, and then out of nowhere, Haram and Master Bushan show up. And just start slicing and dicing warriors up. And Haran takes Narin to a river. To safety. And he's like, don't worry, this is a safe place. We're, this is a safe place. We're on the edge of a cliff. And I don't really understand what happens here. So, what happens? Before we get to that, Master Bouchon also knows magic. 
Like he was using the force and oh, yeah. sending lightning balls at warriors. He's OP. But yeah, Haram takes Nareen to safety so that they can be together as well. And they're on the edge of a cliff. And then out of nowhere, Buraki, the bad Emugi, the black serpent. After the Yuyiju. He's, yeah, who's after the <laughs> Yuyiju. Um, pulls up on them, strapped up, ready to kill, mm-hmm. ready to get his celestial dragon on. So they sacrifice themselves to, one, be together. Because if she sacrifices her own self, he's living without her. So in the name of love and in good spirit, they sacrifice themselves so the Baraki doesn't get them. And stave off this extinction event for 500 more years. Yes. And so that they can be together yet again. So they jump off the cliff into the water, narrowly escape the jaws of Baraki with the Yuyiju. And now it's present day. And they're back. Yep. And then the... Oh, also, at one point, Haram threw off the pendant. He's like, I don't want this. And like... Oh, I don't remember that. Master Bouchon saw it. He's like, oh my god. And that's why he gave it to little Ethan as a kid. Because he had it still. Yeah, and so then we get back into real life. And Jack, the owner of the pawn shop, says, I am Bouchon and you are Haran. And this is our reborn into our new lives. He says, as a little seven year old kid, yeah. I've been waiting for you a long time. He gives him the pendants, and uh, they must protect, he tells him, we must protect Sarah at all costs and take her to the Grand Cave when she turns 20. Mm -hmm. Did they ever go to the Grand Cave? I don't think so. I don't think that ever happened. Maybe that's what the Mordor thing was. Maybe, yeah, the hell. Yeah. (laughs) You've got to go to hell to save her. Well,. It is not, now it's after 1992, it is current day. And Ethan is going to be on the search for Sarah because he's had these flashbacks of all this with the help of Craig Robinson, who I think's character's name was Bruce. <laughs> I wouldn't know. I just have a note that says scene with Craig Robinson, yeah. And that's it. Like, okay, cool. They work at the... CGNN. The press and Craig Bruce is a cameraman, but he also... Searches Sarah's and that I don't know. On his uh, screen, it said, "What did it say?" The NRA. Really? Yeah. The National Rifle Association. No, not NSA. NSA. <laughs> okay, I was gonna say, why the National Rifle Association? Like National Surveillance Association or something? TSA. What does NSA say? National Security Administration, I think. Something yeah. like yeah. that. So he was like searching the NSA database. Oh, okay, that people. makes sense. Um, and now you get a scene of Sarah. The the girl currently holding the Yuyiju. In modern times. She's in a gym, and her and her friend are swooning over Ethan on the TV, on the news. He's a reporter reporting that scene of the mass yeah. destruction. But she also has bad vibes and bad juju, because she says, I know something bad's going to happen. i got to get out of here. Well, it's because she sees the scales on the screen. Oh, and has like a premonition. Yeah, so she runs home to obviously check her Korean manuscript. That's yeah. Right. Everyone has one in their junk drawer. But we also... Well, that's where I keep mine. Where do you keep your Korean manuscripts? Uh, I like to tape mine to the top of the toilet bowl reservoir. The Oh, so when you lift the top of the tank, it's there? Yeah. Just for safekeeping. Uh-huh. Nobody's going to check there. Yep. Does it get wet? Well, no, it's taped to the top. Did you laminate it at least? No. Oh. Mine are baked into loaves of bread. So just in case someone comes and tries to steal them, mm. I can eat them quickly. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and pass them through later. 
Do they make it through the digestive tract? Rarely. (laughs) Oh, so you've done this before. He has copies in his junk drawer. (laughs) One under his mattress, one in the junk drawer, one in bread. Exactly. We also get a funny scene in this part in the movie where... The, it's like the ghostly commander of the army is back and he wishes the evil, yeah the evil general in modern times yeah. he looks like a like nazi old, aryan yeah. race guy and he sort of passes through like a ghost through this fence and then this old lady just runs face first into the fence that <laughs> she tries to phase through a chain link fence that was probably the best scene of the movie yeah and meanwhile the pawn shop owner jack is just like levitating and he senses that evil presence so he gets out of there and sarah's roommate who is at the gym with her Comes home to see Sarah sitting in her living room with Korean manuscript pages taped all over her living room. She says it's the only way she can be safe to protect her. We never got any connection at all from her to Korea. No. Or from Ethan to Korea. Or how these things would protect her. Yeah. Or the protection of the manuscript never once comes again in the movie. Or how old this woman really is. Yeah. She's 19. I mean, I guess she could have used a fake, but... That's a good point, because the roommate's very skeptical of all these manuscript things, and she's like, you know what? We should go out tonight. We'll go downtown. We'll get some drinks. And they go to some sketchiest bar, and they're drinking beers. They're 19! Yeah. Devin pointed this out immediately. He's like, wait, drinks? Maybe in, like, Korean culture, you can drink when you're 18, and then they just... This is L.A. But decided to pass it off because they were doing in and out L.A. This well, is they, L- pro- they might not have known that's legal, because I think most places in the world, the legal drinking age is 18. Yeah, that's true. Like, even Canada, it's 18. Mexico, it's 18. Germany, it's 16. Korea, it's 19. So oh, know. so she's perfect. Yeah. She's ripe for drinking. Yep. So that's what they do, though. They go out to party in d- downtown in downtown L.A. But really, it's not. It looks like fucking Compton. Yeah. It's some sketchy like motorcycle bar with pool tables, and you know Sarah's just not feeling it, so she leaves. She walks out into just this dirty alley, literally a, a pile of trash next to the door, <laughs> and like, yeah, and she's immediately. Is starting to get roughed up by three guys manhandled and harassed and jumped and she's thank, gonna, she's gonna get raped yeah. thank god jack just shows up master bouchon's entity he was there to protect her takes on three bikers kicks their asses seemed more like frat boys to me could have been i don't know yeah frat bikers <laughs> boy frat boys biker gang boy gang mm, there you go um and now you get a scene at a zoo. Like a zookeeper's just sitting there overnight. Here's these elephants making all this commotion. So he comes on out to check on his elephants. Baraki. The big giant serpent. He's tossing them around like they're fucking cat toys. These poor little elephants. There's a good quote here, but I won't. I'll we will it. save it. Yeah. yeah, the poor little elephants are just being eaten alive, and he runs out and he gets away. And now you get a scene of Ethan. Going to the pawn shop to find Jack. And he's like, where is he? But he sees the evil general there who has phase shift through the chain link. And he's like, I'm looking for Jack. And he's like, are you or something? And then he disappears and all the heads in the pawn shop start to look at Ethan, like turn their heads. But it was all just some weird dream. Yep. <clears throat> Which is a, a shitty tactic, I think, for movies to do. Can the evil general transcend dreams? Like Freddy Krueger? 
Freddy versus Jason, Devin. Weigh in. Freddy versus what's this guy's name? We don't know. Freddy oh, versus yeah. Evil General. Freddy versus Evil Weird Looking Guy. Yeah. That's that's what he was named in, like on the screen when we paused it was just Evil General. Was Freddy versus Jason? Did they end up teaming up in that one, or are they strictly against each other? I think they're strictly against each other. Oh, they don't team up to to fight like no, the power of Christmas or something. No, the end. The ending is like Freddy like dismembers Jason and then throws him into a lake. The fucking mm-hmm. power of Christmas. Yeah, it was, it was Freddy resurrecting Jason so that he could instill fear among the community of Elm Street, and then. With that fear, he could come back stronger and terrorize the people of the town as well. So they were working together, but also fighting each other. Yeah. And it was the slicer and the dicer, and neither were nicer. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you're getting it now. Um, So, yeah. Now, after this dream sequence, there's one reporter who was, like, covering Sarah's story about the whole fighting the biker gang or whatever outside the bar. And he's blabbering to Ethan about how badass she was. And he's like, oh, yeah, her name was Sarah, too, because Craig Robinson was like, Sarah this, Sarah that, Sarah, Sarah, Sarah. And he's like, oh, yeah, this is Sarah. And so now Im- Ethan. Yeah, immediately in their search of any Sarah in the city of Los Angeles is narrowed down to one specific girl in yep. seconds. Yeah. And Sarah is now... At the police station. Yeah, she... Well, no, this is after the police station. She has a dream of the evil generals. I can't remember what her dream was. I don't either. She got found out and got sliced or something. Yeah, and she she has that dream. She wakes up and is having like a panic attack. So she calls an ambulance to take her to the hospital. (laughs) And this (laughs) this is the scene that I think Lucas has the most worries of. Well, yeah, because so. We don't really need a scene of this ambulance taking her to the hospital. You can just, like, show her at the hospital or, like, the ambulance, like, picking her up. But if you are going to put an ambulance scene in here, at least show her being carried to the hospital. Because the only scene that they did show with the ambulance was, like, three seconds of them splashing a homeless man on the side of the road. <laughs> and then violently scream, hey! said, You're a bum! Yeah. And that was it. We That was it for the ambulance. That was it for the homeless guy. <laughs> it was just a flat, Yeah, both of those. Just a scene just to shit so on that, a homeless guy. So we've shit on the native population yeah. and homeless. And I said that I think this scene was in there because he says you're such a bum. It was supposed to be like a play that he is the bum, but he's calling that. I don't know. It's just so it's poor unnecessary. Ta- poor taste. Yeah. Not even poor taste. Just, just unnecessary. Just bad. Irrelevant. Well, now, Sarah's roommate... And her boyfriend, Chris, they try to visit her at the hospital, but they go back home to gather some things for Sarah. And when they're there, they're about to get it on and they feel a thud. And Baraki and the evil general are there with his magic sword. Yep. And uh, Baraki just picks up the roommate and just like throws her in the air. I didn't know she actually died here. Yeah. And the boyfriend died too, right? Was he stabbed by the evil? We never see know. him again. I don't know. But he's not in a body bag, so. I still don't know who all the characters are. Well. Me neither, yeah. <laughs> Sarah's in the hospital, and she's locked in for, like, psychiatric reasons. I put that it kind of makes sense with these crazy-ass stories that she's saying. Having these vivid dreams, it's like she's hallucinating. You know, I've worked at hospitals, and I know, like, there are certain areas for psychiatric patients that are being admitted, and... I don't know. I thought it kind of made sense, but 
Yeah. For her, it's complete asinine because all these things are true that are happening to her. But somebody confronts you with the story of the Yu Yi Yu the Yuiju and the Mugis and Baraki. I'm gonna be a little skeptical. Yeah, me too. That's just me, Lucas. You gotta listen. You gotta hear him out. Sometimes you gotta wonder if the reality that we see isn't even the real reality at all. And those those with like bipolar or schizophrenia or or some sort of other mental illness that makes them see the world differently. If is that true reality, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like how in Bird Box, when the the mentally like the schizophrenic people can see yes. the creature without dying. I think that's like they a, see the beauty in the world and not the madness. But uh, that's a weekend album. I think mm. that that's like a historically a, a very pervasive thought about schizophrenic people, mm-hmm. people who hallucinate. It. They're seeing what's really there. Yeah, or like spirits or whatever. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if schizophrenic people are like worshipped or were worshipped in like some ancient culture. Oh, sure. Like, I'm sure like the Greek oracle is probably a schizophrenic in reality, you know? That you go up yeah. to them and they're like, give me a sign. They start shaking and have all these visions and stuff. Or oh, yeah. like the person, yeah. if, if like potentially like a schizophrenic was the person that said they saw God again, or like Jesus after three days after he died. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Makes a lot of sense. We're getting to some deep shit in D-Wars. Wah, wah. <laughs> um, well, Ethan. He goes with Craig Robinson to Sarah's house to report a news story um, where the roommate is dead. We found out that she did die. <clears throat> and he's a part of the press. Once again, just goes under the police tape and just goes right up to the body and uncovers her. Yeah. Like, well, I know he's looking for Sarah, but... While the guy's recording, too. Yeah, the cameraman's just rolling. <laughs> the, the, a live stream of a dead body? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and no one says anything. They only get mad when he goes and asks a witness where what hospital she went to. Then the police are like, hey, 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 get out of here, you scamp. He, he, he tries to, he, he goes way beyond his limits of somebody reporting the news. But uncovering the dead body and reporting it live on the news, that's so bad. Yeah. It's narcissistic because... He's showing no respect for the dead and only cares about his one singular cause, you know? Yeah. Where's his empathy? A woman just died. It's true. Maybe he's a schizophrenic. Maybe he's the friends we made along the way. (laughs) Well, Ethan makes his way to the hospital and comes to Sarah's room by the fortunate malpractice of a lot of the hospital staff. Like, supposedly she's under quarantine, but she's delusional, but it might be infection. We don't know. But he makes it in there. And now you get a scene of the zoo te- keeper. He's all tied up, talking to a psychiatrist for his crazy allegations of this giant snake. And there's this fun little gimmick that he does where he's like, you guys won't believe this, but the snake is behind you right now because Baraki is on the hospital. Yeah, and then Baraki pulls his head away from the window and they're like, you're crazy. So, but my issue with this scene here is... How do they not feel Baraki? <clears throat> well, that too, but it's also interspliced with the very serious like first meeting between... Ethan and Sarah. So we have that going on simultaneously while this like stupid zookeeper is like comedic relief for some reason. You know what I mean? Yeah, this scene in the hospital of those two together was don't match. 20 seconds? Yeah, the pacing of the movie is real weird. Exactly. And the tone keeps shifting. Funny serious love action. Yeah, I'm very confused by everything. <laughs> well, 
the Baraki Baraki enters the hospital and just starts tearing shit up. And you find out that the one doctor that ended up letting Ethan into the hospital, into her room, was actually Jack, Master Bouchon, who is shape-shifting as a doctor. Mm -hmm. So he's got shape-shifting abilities, magic abilities, levitating abilities, and he knows kung fu. And ability abilities. And disability abilities. And he can run an (laughs) antique store. He can make himself a cripple whenever he wants to. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and he can sell pawn shop. He can run a pawn shop. Yeah. He he runs a great business. This is the most important thing. Um, but so they leave the hospital. She escapes it with Bruce and Ethan, and they run over the evil general. Like they're driving in a car. He's just standing on the road, and they just obliterate him in the road. Yeah, and then he shifts into his sort of cosmic form. The Korean army form. Yeah. And there's a good fight scene. Well, I wouldn't say good. No, I definitely wouldn't say good. There is a fight scene. Yeah. With Bruce and Ethan against him, and they're about to get their ass beat when Ethan. <laughs> I think it's. I think it's another lady. Oh, it was a different. Like, yeah. Well, a different lady comes in. Comes in her car and smashes the general for a second time. Yeah, who we've never met before. I don't think. No. That's why I thought it was Ethan, but no, you're correct, because that car was driven by some other, just some other lady, and... Still no idea who she is. <laughs> so they well, get... She, yeah. They get away from the evil general, and, uh... And then it was Bouchon, he, the lady transforms back into the, into He shapeshift again to help them out. Into the pawn ship, pawn shop guy, yeah. And so the evil general makes his way to the pawn shop, and is forming his army with pawn shop items. Yeah. I don't know how that worked. I feel but like I need to take like a deep breath here in this movie. Pause. Because we've been, we've been saying a lot of jargon, you know? <laughs> a lot of plot points have been flying at you. So we're just going to give you some easy listening, listeners. A little a little, a little homemade jazz. All right, we hope we hope you enjoyed our little intermission. <laughs> now the Moogie was going after the Yan Yingu, Yuyiju, the Yuyiju, the Moogie going after the Yuyiju with the bull calls and the. We're back the, the, bak- Bushan, the baklavas, the Haram and Narin. Okay, yeah, we are back. We now it's like the bureaucratic element, right? Because it's the FBI is explaining their dragon theory to the Secretary of Defense. Yeah, and they're they're weirded out by it, but they decide half of them are going after Baraki, the snake. The other half are going to try and find Sarah. And simultaneously, you get a scene on the beach. The beach, beach. Lou. The beach, the beach scene is, <laughs> hi Lou, is odd too. The beach scene is very odd because it's like they don't, it's it's Ethan and Sarah on the beach, but they don't, they're talking and they're walking, but they never say anything of importance to each other. Yeah, they're just on the beach, beach, and then Nicky they judge. <laughs> they have, but they have love in their eyes. They, they say Ninky Minjaj to each other. And then they just make out. They do make out. That that was it. That was it for the beach scene. They're like, I'll be here to protect you. They immediate love. 
Love at first sight. It's because of that relationship that they formed in their past lives. Ah, uh, there you go. 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 So now you've got first army, U.S. Army coming in into this big cave. The Grand Cave? I don't think so. Well, they're coming into this cave because that's apparently where Baraki and like is. Hundreds of them. There are hundreds of them. Helicopters put. They're dropping in from the helicopters and they're ready to take on Baraki. And uh, Baraki's ready to take them on now. <laughs> he just torches this whole army recon team. Yep. Yeah, like fifteen make it out of the cave or so. And then the Korean ancient army is back too, and they're also fucking the U.S. Army up. They didn't even kill one of them. <laughs> no. Oh, also on the beach. The beach, beach. Um, Ethan tells Sarah that he has a professor friend that right. dabbles in dreams. So they go to his place next. And we get to see Sarah's dreams. One of them is with her dad. And, she, and she's at her father's funeral. I don't really know why that needed to be in there. Didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, you know what? Let's go further back. I don't need this. And so now <laughs> she is dreaming of her Korean life as Nadine. Yep, and while she maybe does, it's so. because she saw her father die mm, in her know. Korean. I don't know. It was not needed, but but while she's doing this, she's levitating and glowing while remembering her from past her life. tattoo. Yeah. The you the Yuji is forcing energy out of her, and she just starts screaming and floating. It's like an exorcism, and uh, and then Baraki shows up. Baraki shows up. As he does. As one Baraki does. He's always shows up a second later once they start to get something going. So Ethan is going to escape with Sarah. And he talks with Jack. And he basically tells Jack, I'm over this destiny stuff. I want to do things my own way. So he tosses the pendant away. Did he? No. He kept no, it on. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Baraki shows up. They escape. But not before. They're on the street. But not before Baraki picks up a car in his mouth. And fucking yeets. Yeah. Launches that car down the street. Smashes in front of them, stopping them. They're about to die by the Jaws of Baraki. The Jaws. But once again, another Deus Ex Machina comes. This film is just filled yeah. with yeah. Deus Ex Machinas because the cops show up, saved by the police, shooting Baraki. Like every single time. They're about to do something. Deus Ex Machina. Something comes to disrupt it. Or something comes to save them, you know? Time and time. Basically, like, every five minutes. Time after time. Who sings that song, Devin? (sighs) Justin Bieber. Correct. (laughs) Correct! Featuring uh, uh, Ben Affleck. (laughs) So you went with young pop star Justin Bieber... Featuring actor Ben Affleck to sing the 80s hit song, 80s female-led hit song, Time After Time? Yeah. You are correct! Fuck Cindy Lauper. I would. Lauper, I hardly know her. Nice. Mm. Um, so yeah, they get away by the police shooting at Baraki, and now you get just war. Just more war- and and more war after that. Aren't and then they like just driving like, down a road at one point, and the cars just 
like squiggling up the road and... in lots of war. That's coming later. Oh, um, bec- helicopters versus bulkos. Yeah, you. <laughs> my note is they escape, and then the next one is um, Baraki has them trapped on the top of the Liberty Building. So I don't know why they're running up the why they're oh they're gonna get they're wanting to escape Baraki because they're doing it Ethan's way. So they're gonna take a helicopter out of the city. Yeah. So they go to the top of the tallest building, that U.S. Bank building in L.A. at the time. It's not the tallest anymore, guys. Get your head okay. out of your ass. Okay. It's not the tallest okay. I'm anymore. Sorry. Second, um, they go to the top of that U.S. Bank Liberty Building, and they're going to take a helicopter out. But Baraki scales that building real quick, grabs the helicopter in his jaws, shakes it around. They jump to freedom. Also, they drop like like 50 feet. 50 feet. It was a long drop. <laughs> And they were just fine. He they, he took a... Ethan at one point in the future, in the near future, which we'll bring up, takes a harder fall, a harder shot, mm. and is fine. Yep, he does. <laughs> yeah. um, but they, they get out of the helicopter. They're, they escape, and they're about to die by the jaws of Baraki again when a deus ex machina comes in. Well, three attack helicopters. I think there were more than that. I think there were like eight of them. I thought there were, I put four, but yeah. There's Apache helicopters. Yeah. raining bullets on Baraki. And for once, actually, Baraki is affected by heavy artillery and missiles and shit. I was just laughing because each scene, it would show them blasting Baraki, and then it would show them crouched on the building, just being rained on by artillery shells. Yeah, well, it was just like the casings for the... Uh, the bullets, yeah. The bullets. From a fucking Apache Gatlin gun, though? Yeah. You know how big those are? I'd imagine, like, 50 caliber machine guns. Probably so, like, bigger. And hot. And fucking yeah. hot. I mean, that's the size of, the ca- of a, like, a 50 millimeter case. Yeah. Casing. Those things are big and hot, mm-hmm. and they are just being pelted by them. Get the fuck off the rooftop, you idiots. Yeah, that'd be the first thing i do. <laughs> also, Baraki's still right there. Yeah. <laughs> get off the rooftop. So, um... They get off the rooftop, eventually, and Baraki's about to die. He's just being blasted to death by Apache helicopters when the Bolkos. Uh-oh. They they come in and They're, destroy. They, they come in and deez nuts. And deez nuts all over the place. They de-war, basically. Yeah. They come in. They take on the helicopters. More U.S. armies on the ground, tanks and shit. But, you know, the warriors have... Dinosaur cannon things. Which are effectively tanks on their own, yeah. And then U.S. military on their feet against warriors on their feet or the the Velociraptor riding yeah. ones. We get, like, we get like 10 minutes of these fight scenes just maybe, across L.A. Maybe even 15. Yeah, without any real plot advancement. It's a lot of just war. Yeah. That's another... A second note of mine is war, war, and more war. Yeah. So much war and for so long. But eventually, the FBI shows up and tell to show up right where uh, Ethan and Sarah are. Sarah are, and they said, "Get in the car. You know, we gotta. We'll help you." My other note is the tanks need to hit their fucking shots. Yeah, <laughs> the U.S. These Dino cannons, which I don't know how they aim or fire. Is it just like telepathically? Like, do they just like? clench their back muscles and it fires i don't know yeah they hit every shot of theirs but the u.s trained army cannot hit a fucking dinosaur with a cannon on it 
with a goddamn tank. Yeah. They hit like three and they kill them, but like, come on. Come on. Chip chop. Chip chop. Helicop. Mm. Need to mop. Up Hel- the floor. He, You need to mop up the floor, sir. It's because you're Mexican. Oh. Cleaning ladies. What a flop. I'm Mexican too, so. Just more white than you. <laughs> so they do join the FBI guys. They're like, we need to get out of here. We'll drive you somewhere safely. And there's a scene of them just like driving away. But it's like so casually just driving away from the... You see downtown LA just fucking in flames. And they're just like, I wouldn't be surprised if some... An interlude of smooth jazz was playing in that scene too. Yeah. That's what it was basically like. And um my note is where in the world is the good Amoogie? We were asking that the whole movie, yeah. <laughs> the whole Moogie. <laughs> we were promised a good Amoogie for this movie. This could have all been prevented if the good Amoogie was here. It's like the heavens are trying to pick a good Amoogie while just war is going on on Earth. Yeah. The bad Amoogie Baraki was picked millenniums ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Get your act together, heaven. Yep. Jeez. But the FBI, they pull over to some sort of abandoned building. Um, They're in there, right? Yep. And that head FBI guy. He pulls out a gun. He says, it's time to end this right now. 500 years, like, we'll deal with this in 500 years, but I'm done with, like, all this destruction in my city. Honestly, fair fair reaction. Yeah, let 500 years deal with it. Yeah. They probably have lasers and shit then. I mean, I probably, Actually, I might have done the same thing if, like... That's true, is the advancement of technology, the Koreans were fucking using cannons. Now we've got tanks and helicopters. We're fighting them a lot better than the Koreans did in 1507. Yeah. But imagine 2507... Yeah, if we don't die from climate change, we shoot them with COVID guns, kill ourselves <laughs> with nuclear bombs. Yeah, we could easily take them in five hundred years. So that is a a, a yeah. like a conscionable choice. I could I could do that and have a relatively clear conscience but, of killing two yeah. like two people to save millions. Yeah, but morally, yeah, I still would do it. Morally, I subscribe to utilitarianism. So. Mm. How many how many more people had to die? Yeah, yeah. No, that's a, that's totally a good take. You you're bringing on great philosophy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, the FBI guy he's gonna plan to kill her. So it doesn't happen in his lifetime. Five hundred years later, and as he's about to shoot her, Ethan sacrifices himself, takes a bullet to the face for her. Jumps in the way, st- takes the bullet. Yeah, romantic, right to the head. Romantic sacrifice. And as the FBI guy is now about to shoot Sarah, the other FBI guy shoots him. Because he believes the curse of the Yuiju needs to end now. Mm. My thing is also, whenever you sacrifice yourself for somebody, like if you jump in the way and take a bullet. Usually you die. You die and the other person's going to die anyway because they're just going to shoot them next, right? Yeah, they're just going to shoot again. Unless they're really, really torn up about killing somebody and they're like, you know what? No, I can't fulfill this now that I've killed somebody else. But an FBI agent. So... This other FBI agent, now dead. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know who isn't dead? The good movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the good movie. No, fucking Ethan. Ethan Bradbury. He took a shot to the fucking face, and they were like, Ethan, are you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm fine. Uh, he's like, I'm fine. I'm Ethan Bradbury. I took a shot to the temple. 
That's not going to kill me. Easy. I got a rock hard skull. So, um, they are going to try and stop the curse now. And Sarah and Ethan are driving to safety away from this warehouse or whatever. This is where you said this is the screen, the curvy road screen. Yeah. Like you like you remember that 2008 YouTube video where it was just a car driving along a serene curvy road and then a creepy ghost lady. It was like the first jump scare of like Ever. the internet era. Yeah, that for it real. It was that in the Scary Maze game. The Scary Maze game and there was one where it was like look at this room and spot the the three different it was like a like a spot the differences between two rooms and you had to look and you were like as close to the screen as possible to see and then yeah some yeah. zombie face screaming at you would pop up those are really the first jump yeah. scares yeah, yeah. But you're yeah, right that <laughs> hi season boy so while they're driving away through this serene landscape sarah tells ethan it's her 20th birthday she's like you're not going to congratulate me and as she says that they're under attack again by the Bulco, Bur, Bulcos. Bulcos. And they're, they're seized. They finally are caught. And Lucas asked a good question here because they end up somewhere unknown. They wake up, yeah. And he says, are they in hell for this like sacrificial scene? We don't know. I think they're in Mordor and there's a. this is later in the time of Lord of the Rings. Lordor. They're on, what do they call it in Lord of the Rings? Half Earth? Or, I don't remember. Half Moon Bay. I don't know, remember what it was. But, as... Purga- a purgatory of sorts. So she's, Sarah's tied up. She's about to be sacrificed to Baraki. Ethan's also tied up on, like, some pole. And he's not, like, gagged or anything. They just beat him. And, uh, as Sarah is about to be sacrificed and eaten by Baraki... This is when I was get a filling water or getting drinks or doing something. Yeah. A heavenly light strikes down. Yeah, and it like interacts with his belt or his pendant. His pendant, which is like around the ropes or whatever. So the ropes sort of burn off and Ethan is able to get out of the ropes. And the heavenly light kills the whole army. Everybody. And disintegrates Baraki. Yeah, you see Baraki die, and I verbally said, well, Baraki's fucking dead. Yeah, his skeleton melted. Yeah. It turned to dust. But uh, two minutes later... Well, Ethan takes a sword and goes to fight the evil general, and they're going back and forth, and he's about to die, but the evil general strikes his magic sword right down onto the pendant that he's wearing, and it kills the evil general with electric... Something. Something. Energy. And then, out of nowhere... Baraki is just alive. He's not melted. Nope, he's going to kill them both now. And he's about to eat Sarah. Another deus ex machina. This is our fifth one, at least, that we've said. It's the good Amuki. The good Amuki finally comes to save them. Yes. This is us. <laughs> Hooray for the good Amuki. Hey. Yep, we have an Wait, Amu- what did you say, Midian? I said, and it gets his fucking ass kicked. Yeah, he was chosen by the heavens to come and fight Baraki and become a celestial dragon. Uh, maybe a minute of dragon, serpent on serpent action, just dead. Yeah. Amugi fight, yep. <laughs> Amugi on Amugi action. What we've all been waiting for. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's just dead. It's short-lived because Baraki just killed him. And Sarah is like, you know what? Let's end this. I'm going to sacrifice myself anyway. She's going to sacrifice herself the Yu Yiju to Baraki to just put an end to everything 
and she sends her Yuyiju spirit glowing blue orb marble into the sky. Into the sky. And as Baraki goes to snatch it up like a little snacky snack, she uses the force. Mm-hmm. Sends it round and round, dizzies him up, and shoots it into the, the Goody Moogie. His mouth. His mouthy. The Amoogie mouthy. And yeah. then there's a Transformers-esque transforming scene where he turns into a celestial dragon. He, like, sheds his skin. Yeah. Tra- and, you know, then they fight again. He's back alive. In this fight... Not fair at all. Because he's like a, a flying Chinese street dragon. <laughs> yeah. He can fly. He has arms. He can breathe fire. Like. Yeah. Fucking blows a fireball into Bar... Bar... Cook. Baraki. Baraki's Down mouth. Down Bar Cook's mouth. <laughs> and roasts him from the inside. And then he's dead for a second time. But who else is dead? Sarah. Mm-hmm. Nadine. Nadine. Wah, wah. And uh, she's dead in a spirit. And the celestial dragon just... Fly off into heaven, just away, and apparently Jack, Master Bouchard was just there the whole time. He just disappears as well. Didn't help shit. And he and they're all just gone. And Ethan's all that's alive in the middle of Hell Mordor, and that's just the end. How does he get home? <laughs> he doesn't. He takes a cab from Mordor home. He calls up an Uber. He's like, man, these Uber prices from <laughs> from Mordor. <laughs> <laughs> Take it from Hell to Earth. Yeah. Big prices. They Plus, he right. lost his girl, and his master. Yeah, and his good amugi, and his pendant, and his dignity, and that is the end of D War. <laughs> it's Louie, yeah. Lou, good a Louie. Good Louie. Um, so D War is done. Dragon Wars. D War is d- done. Now we're gonna get into Dragon Wars. Now that D-War is done. Okay, cool, cool. So it starts off with... um With, uh, I think, like, yeah, it says here it starts with a quirk. Showbox production. <laughs> oh, yeah, a quirk. Yeah, yeah. That's how it does start. Yeah, it does. Let's, let's start with some quirks. Good. Quirk! I think she's somehow linked to the accident. Who was she? The girl. What's her name? I think, um... Sarah. Okay. Does Sarah have a last name? I don't know. That's great. You're a great reporter. I will tell you that. Dude's like thousands of Sarahs in here. Well, she has a, a tattoo on her shoulder, and she's 20 years old. No, I mean, she's still 19. I have a strong sense she's still in the city. Okay, a 19-year-old girl with a tattoo in Los Angeles. You're killing me, man. That describes every 19-year-old girl in L.A. Not the most quiet. <laughs> Not the most quotable film, but I do have quite a bit because of you guys. I mm. added like four from you guys. A good chunk of it was in Korean. <laughs> yeah. I have 12, but four from you guys. Mm. So. Also, think... the only comedic relief was The Zookeeper. Yeah. Who had like three scenes. You would think Craig Robinson would have more. Or better, yeah. I have one from Craig Robinson. How many total quotes do you guys I have? I think I have four. I have three. You guys just do yours, and I'll just do mine after. Because, like I said, I have 12, but some of them are from you. If you still mind, I don't give a shit. This is D-Wars. D-Wars. Uh, Trade-off. Go ahead. Devin, okay. start. Do one, 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 and you'll trade so off. So, Craig was, uh, so... Bruce. Uh, Ethan Bradbury told Craig, he's like, I need a Sarah who's 19. And he's like, that's great. You're a great reporter. I ever told you that? <laughs> Very sassy. <laughs> Um, that was a sneeze. I have one from Jack Bouchon. 
he's explaining what the kid saw in the magic box, and he says, "That was Imugi, <laughs> and the light was the light of heaven." And the kid's like, "What are you talking about?" And he'd be like, Damn it, that was you. that was one of mine. It was just the, it. It didn't have all that. Mine was just kid. What are you talking about? Because <laughs> he's telling him this whole Korean story. It's like, what the fuck? Well, we had all just said something similar. Yeah, we did. Honestly. All right. Devin? My next one is the zookeeper. He's going to check on the elephants, and he's mad about it. And he says, can put a robot on Mars, but can't keep an elephant quiet for a night. Just thought that was kind of, you know, thought it was nice. <sighs> two, I- different, two different path, career paths, you know? It's hard. Mm-hmm. I have one. I don't know who says it. I think it was maybe the general who says in Korean. But general, he's... general, general. That's Liberty. Never yeah. mind. <laughs> We're great. You can go online, go to the general and save some time. That's yeah. it. <laughs> general, <laughs> Liberty general. Mutual. <laughs> Just general. Um, but the general says, the time has come again, mighty doddler. Doddler? Yeah. Like a dad toddler? Like one who doddles, I think. Little... He was having trouble keeping his eyes open. <laughs> Devin, your last one? My last one is, uh, so it's from the zookeeper again. He was in the institute, and the institute lady was like, so let me get this straight. You saw an elephant eating five snakes at once. And then he said, no, I saw a snake eating five elephants. At once. At once. Finishes off, Lucas. Okay, I've got one. It was a, oh, it was a narration overlay from... Ethan, as he's making out with uh, Sarah on the beach, he says, the beach, beach. She must die. <laughs> as they're making out, it's part of the prophecy. Did I have that? I thought I did. Maybe not. And then, <laughs> I think she must die. Um, two more I have actually. This one is from the general. He says, Bulkos, find her. <laughs> and that's when Bulkos really came into your vocabulary. Yeah. And then last one is from the FBI guy when he pulls up and sees him in the battle. He says, we're here to help. Get in the car. Get in! Oh, yeah, because the one FBI said all that. The other one just screamed, get in. That was a good peek there. Um, You only took one of mine, so I guess I'm going to do 11 here. Uh, My first one is the zookeeper. His name was Mr. Belafonte. They were like, a snake looked you in the eyes, and he said, I mean, this thing stared at me like my (laughs) ex-wife. Um... I've got that scene where they were in the pawn shop as a kid, and he fakes to have a heart attack, and he's talking to the dad. He goes, it's my heart. And the dad goes, should I call an ambulance? He's like, no, no ambulance, no doctors. Go to the herb shop and say it's for me. They'll know. How often does this guy go to the herb shop? This is a dispensary if I've ever heard of it. Yep, exactly. But it was just a ploy all along. I had the what are you talking about. Um, This one kind of goes along with one of yours, Devin. It was Craig Robinson's Bruce's character. He goes... She's looking for a 19-year-old girl on L.A. with a tattoo named Sarah. That's like every 19-year-old girl here. Fair, 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 fair. Um, I have one from that one other reporter that popped in. He's like, hey, I just met a Sarah. And Craig Robinson says, congratulations, man. You want some cookies or something? <laughs> um, oh. Now we were at the hospital. The, the lady that plays the one lady from Parks and Rec. Yes. Has a small cameo in this. Ethan goes, he's like, can I speak to Sarah? And she goes, to completely honest, Sarah's under quarantine because of a weird mark on her shoulder. They think it might be an infection or something. <laughs> no weird mark is in the shape of a red dragon tattoo. And like Devin pointed out, that was born. That was there when she was born. That should be under her, like, her birth Medical, files yeah. of a birthmark to identify her. 
Not some... Inf- She's septic from a shoulder tattoo? It must be. And then they just let him into the quarantine room? I mean, it ended up turning to be Jack as a shape-shifting doctor, but still. Yeah. Um, then, the one doctor, as they're leaving, when the Baraki comes to attack, he says, Don't take the stairs. Take the elevator over there. Which, again, was Jack shape-shifting. But we were like, no. Yeah. You take the stairs in emergency situations. Another- Another unnecessary scene. Yeah. Because you get caught in elevators in emergent situations. They break down. Um, on the beach, beach, uh, Ethan tells Sarah, he goes, maybe we can go to a professor friend of mine. He masters in dreams in the subconscious. Fair. I wonder what degree he got to master in dreams. Mm. Holistic. Subconscious master? Yeah. Holistic masters? It's one of the two. I've got one from Lucas where um, Lucas goes, how much protein do you think an animal like that would need to consume to sustain it when looking at the giant ass Baraki serpent? Yeah, don't you think? I mean, it's a good question. Like how many pounds of krill a blue whale has to eat? And these are like the size of blue whales slithering around on Earth. Well, to be fair, this thing does hibernate for 500 years. Mm. Wouldn't it be extra hungry? Yeah, then that means it needs to bulk. Yeah, right now, well, so wait. like one year and then goes to sleep for 500. <laughs> the lo- the eternal rest, the 500-year yeah. hibernation. Um, I've got one where somebody hands Ethan a – Bruce hands Ethan a cell phone and he goes, here, take this. And Ethan just goes, no, I hate those things. It was like so old age. It really put a time stamp on the movie. Yeah. A flip phone too, wasn't it? Yep. Then I've got um, the evil general assembling his army at the cave before the Bulkos assemble. And uh, he's just saying some gibberish, which ended up being Korean. But maybe it was his accent that said it. And Devin just goes, that's how I talk when I'm drunk. <laughs> yeah. And my last one is a Lucas quote. And he was said, I was thinking it has been a while since we had some Bulkos. What is inside a Bulkos so that they can spit incendiaries? <laughs> yeah, because they could just spit out missiles from their mouth <laughs> that were already ready to implode on impact. And it was and it explode. And it had only been about six minutes since we'd seen a bulkos, but here <laughs> I was thinking it's been a while since we had some bulkos in here. Always more. That was a hearty drink. Yeah, hell yeah. I take big swigs, baby. Yeah, that was like Probably three ounces. Out of quotes, out of quotes, out of quotes. Out of quotes, out of quotes, out of quotes. All right, let's do some ratings. Tomato meter. Da 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 da. Ratings time. Mm, nice. Ratings time. Uh, we need theme songs for like each of our say. Your fucking fudget budget thing was so good. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, this is out of a hundred. Yeah. And this is audience or critic. Yeah. Critic. Critic. Yeah. 43. Yeah. I'm going to say 18. Yeah. Right in between a 29. Mm. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, how about audience? I think they're going to be even harsher. I'm going to say a 17. I think they'll be more generous. 37. But you went down? Well, yeah. Just, from the, Just compared yeah. to the actual yeah. critic yeah. score? Lucas, you're so close. It's oh. 19. Oh. 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 Yeah. Um. Making our way into IMDb's Metascore out of 10. 4.3. Right between 3.5. Rig. And audience out of 100. 4.3. 43. 3.8. 33. No! So 19, 29, 
33, 35 for like a 27 average. Nice. What are we giving it? Devin! Uh, 5.2 out of 10. Whoa! Whoa, Devin, you don't even like action movies. No, but I mean, the CGI was good and the story was... Whoa! ...complex enough that like... (laughs) I mean, for 90 minutes, it's a good way to blow 90 minutes. Okay, no, I'll I'll agree with that. Okay? I'm just really shocked about that. Okay, Lucas. I'm gonna give this one... hmm, A (laughs) 2.3. You guys are (laughs) flip-flopping. We often do. I don't know. I thought this was pretty soulless... I don't know. The, the, oh, I absolutely agree. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought that the monster design was kind of... Yeah, you were more you were more harsh on the CGI. Yeah, I don't know. I thought you it was kind of gross looking and they were sort of dark and the whole thing was sort of dark. I don't know. If you, you have an opportunity. I think that's like where Transformers excels. Like if you can blow it out with these giant monsters, like do it, do it awesome. Make that cool. Do it to it. Put your and back these, into these it. These were kind of just like gross snakes. Yeah. So I don't know. 2.8, 2.3 for me. 2.3, 5.2, and I'm right in between you guys. I'm like a 3.8. No, mm. I'm going to give it a 4.0 even. Okay. If you would have asked me 10 years ago, 12, 12 years ago in 2010 when I first watched this with my brother, it would have been like a 7. Wow. Um, But, yeah, it's not that great. There's a lot of backstory that you got to get into in this. Holy shit. Yeah, and it's just 90 minutes. But so. it is 90 minutes, so there's a lot piled in. Like we said, we took an intermission for you guys. <laughs> like, fuck, just so we could tell you, just so you could grasp all the names and shit. But all in all, like, the CGI is good. 90 minutes isn't hard. It's action-y. I wish there were more with the good Amugi, but the war scenes were okay. It's just not there. It it was never meant to be an over-the-top good movie, so I guess, you know, mm. it kind of did what it was doing well. Mm. Four. Oh. Four. Oh. Dragon Wars, D-Wars, and now the war Critic reviews time. Critic review. Critic review time for the Amugi. You, you, um, I've only got three. My first one is Derek Ellie from Variety. Uh, and he says, visually entertaining and superior to Helmer Shing Huang Ray's last monster movie, Young, Ga- Young Gary in 1999. This film has a Z-grade, irony-free script and is likely to end up the most expensive cult movie on DVD. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sounds like a failure to me. Yeah. It does. It does, but... This does have a little bit of cult shit to it as well. Uh, my next one is by Frank Sheck at The Hollywood Reporter. He said, The CGI effects are undeniably impressive, uh, but the laughable storyline, uh, risable dialogue, and cheap humor seriously detract from the film. From the fun. Mm. And the film. And the film. Yeah, honestly, the, the, the storyline and the humor and the... Nothing really stood out. It was just a mindless action movie with a little bit of Asian culture added. Barely. <laughs> and Native American and homeless culture, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and my last one is by Luke Y. Thompson at the LA Weekly. He says, For connoisseurs of the totally preposterous crap, School of Fantasy Cinema. 
You know who you are. You have all the Warlock sequels on Laserdisc and the complete Leprechaun series on DVD. And uh, he says, it's funnier when it tries to be serious than when it goes for the gag. Appropriate. Yeah. I didn't even think it was that like funny. It bad, was not though. that funny at all. Like you said, the zookeeper was really the only thing. And he was in the movie for a total of three minutes. Yeah. Like Craig Robinson's character wasn't even funny. Yeah, there's no basic, next to no comedic relief. Yeah, and I think that the mistakes that they made weren't even funny <laughs> in that way either. I think yeah. they were sort of. It like, was not a Velocipaster yeah. or Birdemic mistakes yeah. where you, we can laugh at it. Yeah. That's the one thing that I think is always like kind of integral to an action movie is you need the character with some comedic relief elements. And this like, really missed and that. need to be employed okay. properly. Yeah. 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 And now some user reviews from IMDb. No little songbird, guys. Damn it. She has not watched D-Wars. My first one is by Liu9. Liu. Liu. <laughs> oh, we woke him up. Um, Liu9. L-E-E-W. On August 1st, 2007. They say, it was pretty good. The most impressive part was the last, which I haven't seen in the trailer. The fighting scene between the evil and Gudamugi and Gudamugi who happened to bite a blue magic Yiju and turn himself to the dragon. It was an awesome sense. Reminded the dragon in the Dragon Ball Z when young Goku make wish to the dragon and fought against the evil Amugi with superpower. It was great. I'm a really big fan of Dragon Ball Z and I think Diwar was enough to give such a pleasure. Love Dragon Ball Z. I could find no bleeding scenes, even though there were many fightings. Really made me feel some reality wanting, though. But it's worth to pay for this. 9 out of 10. Mm. Glad we got a review from an English second language speaker. <laughs> yeah. Glad we got a review for Dragon Ball Z, too. <laughs> yeah, that's a good part, too. Look at how they spelled Yu-Yi-Ju. Yu-Yi-Ju. <laughs> to bite a blue magic Yo-Yi-Ju. <laughs> In all caps. Um, my next one is by Robzilla. Mm. September 17th, 2007. He says, uh, how this movie got made with a supposedly $70 million budget and without being completely retooled is beyond me. The storyline and dialogue are beyond amateurish. Characters say things no real person would ever say and almost never react to things that were said before. Uh, no one seems to be grounded in the real world. The acting of the leads is fine, given that the writing is such a dud. But several actors and supporting roles really dragged the production down. The hero's hair probably should have gotten its own credits. It was so oddly attention-grabbing. Yeah. Not to mention that it gave one of the better performances in this picture. Finally, uh, well, finally, for a movie about L.A. being besieged by giant reptiles, the film is shockingly boring. What a shame. If you do see this, your mind will be constantly racing, thinking up ways you could have taken the... Uh, SFX scenes and built a far better movie around them. Sadly, it wouldn't have taken much. Four out of ten. Yeah. There we go. I didn't really think about the lead actor's hair that much, but they make a good point. I did. Yeah. I, I mentioned. I brought it up a couple times. It was on. The hair was on the mind. Yeah. He he had great hair. It was too good a hair. Paul McCartney hair. It dominated the scenes. I thought. Yeah. It should have been ruffled more. You know. Yeah. You're dodging Amoogies. It's like if you're watching Brad Pitt in a movie, you're not like, oh, there's whatever character. You're just like, oh, there's Brad Pitt being hot as balls, you know? Yeah. And snacking, because he always snacks in films. Yeah. 
He does. Okay. So that was uh, Rob Zilla. Uh, my next one is by Curliff. Returner. No. <laughs> um, September 19th, 2007. All of these have been within two months of each other so far. This movie serves as a timely warning to anyone who thinks they can both write and direct their own movie. Face it, you can't. Because that way, there's nobody around to tell you when you hack great holes in your plot, have meaningless transitions, trite, unmemorable dialogue, and manage to turn a fairly cool Korean legend into a steaming pile of a celluloid turd. I wanted to like this movie as a trashy popcorn movie. Really, I did. I like lots of crappy movies. But once I've been forced to ask myself, what the hell just happened? And why, dear lord, why?! More than a few times, I really can't take it anymore. Also, I would love for someone to explain how L.A. became Mordor for the last scene. <laughs> yeah. Hey, someone understands. How did we get to Mordor, Mommy? <sighs> mommy? One out of ten. Hmm. That was in the... <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> really changed at the end, but... Mm, maybe that's that was her kid or his kid <laughs> asking. <laughs> how did we get to Mordor, Mommy? <laughs> You, you said Mordor. I did. Yeah. They also brought up an interesting point about the need for, like, producer intervention in movies like this. So I think that's an interesting one because, like, Tarantino obviously writes and directs all of his own stuff, as do a lot of, like, prominent directors. But unless you're that level, you really just Unless get... you're the Tarantino level, don't fucking try it. Yeah. yeah. Or... Or be receptive to criticism. and Or unless you're the... The... David Wynn or the our bird demic our Velocipaster, yeah. where you are filming this on forty thousand dollars or less. Like they are, you, well, they are their own producers. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. You are this person. This is a ninety-nine million dollar budget. You went three and a half times over your own projected budget. You got that much production influence on it. You can have somebody proofread your goddamn shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the first rule of like writing school. Have someone proofread it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You're let, not Damien Chazelle. You better let me proofread your Australian <laughs> speech you got to give tonight. Uh, I won't be written until 10 minutes before, so... <laughs> Wait, what is it now? It's a presentation about teaching multicultural literature using Aboriginal literature from Aboriginal Australians, yeah. And I haven't started it yet. <laughs> <laughs> and that's at 5. Yeah. And it is one twelve right now. Yeah. Okay. Three more. Bye. Action Gong? Okay. Action Gong. Well, there's two A's, so I dragged it out a little bit. Oh, okay. Uh, August 18, 2007. So still months. Yeah. Time frame. If you are under 13 or above 13 and pretty intoxicated, you'll enjoy D-Wars. If you are a seriously dedicated fan of all kinds of brainless action films, you'll enjoy d War. Otherwise, don't bother. I saw the movie today with my nephews and three of their friends. They really loved it, and that made me feel good. After the movie was over, all the kids could not stop thanking me for taking me them to the theater. The CGI was good. Acting and directing, horrible. Storyline, <laughs> extremely simple. But since the half of the audience was kids, they were screaming, shouting, and cheering every time the dragons appeared on the screen. This made the viewing experience far more exciting than it should have been. It's a good movie to take your kids to. But except for the final battle sequence, D-War is disappointing. I give this film 
A 7 out of 10, mainly mm. because the kids loved it so much. 7 out of 10. I don't like this guy because he condones having your kids scream in movie theaters. Yeah, that would suck. Yeah, like, oh, I loved it when my kids started <laughs> screaming in the theaters when the dragons came. No. He, he makes a fair point that, you know, under 13 or above 13 yeah. in a toxic... This is a... A good movie. Like, drunk 14-year-olds love it. <laughs> yeah, all those drunk 14-year-olds out here, watch D-Wars. That was actually the audience this was made for. Drunk that was that. That's you, Devin. Yeah. As a 14-year-old. Oh, yeah. Um, Drink more as a 14-year-old than I do now. I, I really like your point of if you're taking your kids and they're screaming at the movie. I would throttle them that's no i i totally get that not okay um also storyline is extremely simple it is in a way but yet it's so complex yeah it's like both at the same time yeah so all right my next one is by merjoin september 30th 2007 still in the same two months it's a bad sign when there's no one else watching the movie my husband and i went to watch it last night It's just a small theater, but there's usually a decent amount of people there. Not this time. My husband and I were the only people watching Dragon Wars last night. Now we know why. The movie was by far one of the worst I've ever seen. Since we were alone in the room, we felt free to talk during the movie. That is, we talked about how bad it was. That it reminded us of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Mm. Godzilla, Mortal Kombat, and Lord of the Rings. (laughs) Oh, and why did the dress that Sarah's spirit was wearing looked like she borrowed it from queen elizabeth one more thing all three of the main hero characters were reincarnations brought back to finish the job sarah completes her tasks and moves on to afterlife jack does this as well then why does ethan get fucking screwed he's left alone without the girl without a map compass helicopter to get him back what the fuck is he supposed to do send smoke signals and if he gets back home does he just go back to his job he should have been given the mercy of getting killed out of this movie that the other heroes had. One out of mm, ten. Yeah. That's my favorite review. <laughs> yeah. They asked the logistical questions. And questions that we'd asked. He yeah. was smiling, though, <laughs> at the end. Yeah, he, he was smiling that his girlfriend's now dead. He's yeah. like, wow, I'll die of starvation before I get out of here, so I'll see you in, like, three days. I didn't notice the Queen Elizabeth dress on the spirit. Well, that was when I said like she gained a lot of weight. Oh, cause she was oh yeah, she was so bulky. Yeah. Um I also like that she remind it reminded her of Power Rangers, which we've watched. Uh-huh. And Lord of the Rings. Godzilla, Mortal Kombat and Lord of the Rings? Mordor. Is that just a Mordor thing? Yeah. And like it the, really does look like Mordor. Because Mor- Lord of the Rings is a great trilogy. But that you haven't seen. That I haven't seen. But yeah, so I just like that she asked the logistics. Everyone dies and gets to go do their afterlife thing. He's just fucking stuck in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. But he's achieved nirvana. Yeah, but... Liberation. <laughs> but then he's going to achieve whatever the opposite of nirvana is, is he dies slowly of hunger and no, he's, dehydration. That's not No, he's, he's enlightened for life and death now. He becomes one with Brahma. Is would it still not be painful to dehydrate and starve to death? No, because he, he it, it may in a sense it's a sense of ecstasy. That's no, because he, Nirvana is just like ultimate unattachment to the world and everything around you. So like you could stab yourself in your hand theoretically and be like, oh, I can see that my hand's being stabbed, but I am not affected by it. You know, or yeah, it's, is good that, or bad? Is that what the Ul- people ultimate control over your body? Is that what? 
people people achieve nirvana when they do that like plank for like 18 hours i think that's a a method yeah sure or like mind over people matter would go like into the lotus position in caves for like 18 days yeah what is the lotus position that's like the, this one right yeah can you um, can you demonstrate? I can't make my legs do it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they just sit like that for eighteen days, and they their metabolism would slow down so much that okay. they'd live. My last one today, heart rate, yeah, is by uh, Roberto Fuano, the only one not in the October or August to September two thousand seven. It's October thirteenth two thousand eight. And I put this in bold for me to remind my is to speak in a drunk voice because I think they were drunk when they wrote this. And so I'll say it in a drunk and be like, yeah, for sure they were drunk. Okay. So it's a very good film, not suitable for those who accuse others of being intoxicated or less than 18 years. That previous review is this movie with Spielberg would have had more since these strontium on the assumption that a film must be beautiful to be directed by big names like Spielberg, Lucas, Jackson, Cameron. All these assessments wrong. You understand the level of bad opinion on this site. Only films for intellectuals can be saved. This film was produced with many dollars and the optimal use of this, the optimal use of special effects make the place as among the best science fiction film Americans. Definitella of using double standards when judged his movie tried to be objective because they give 3.8 a film of its kind and reward crap. How terrible Sin City with 8.2 is a really a offense. <laughs> Vote 8.0. 8 out of 10. <laughs> Wild. Yeah, I think I, I think I they were drunk. That. <laughs> or they're like the other one. English is not their first language. <laughs> or they're just really dumb. What the fuck is a finitella? <laughs> That's what made me think that English isn't their first language. They're just Googling what their word is in Korean and it spits it out. I, there. I guess. Which makes your rant very offensive. It could. <laughs> it really could be. Um, no, good job, though. Good performance. Roberto Fiano gave it 8 out of 10. Thoughts on that? I just like that they called back the under 13 or intoxicated above 13. Yeah. They used 18, but still, I was like, hey. Hey, there you go. Callback and reviews? As he had a... I'm surprised, because I think a, most intoxicated people would either go to the extremes and give it a 1 or a 10, but he gave it an 8. Yeah. <laughs> he was, he, he was drunk. Pretty level-headed. But, but being really sound with his judgment. Yeah, yeah. His review didn't make sense, but you, you knew how what he liked. You know? <laughs> and critics have given Sin City an 8.2 out of 10, which he hates, but he still gave it less than an 8.2 <laughs> out of 10. Yeah. Um, so are we recommending this film? Uh, no. If you If there's better ways to spend an hour and a half. I would say no, yeah. There's almost an endless amount of ways better than <laughs> to spend an hour and a half. And I think I'm going to say no. Yeah. I think there are better ways to spend an hour and a half. The The thing is, is to really enjoy like the ending of the movie, which is like where a lot of the resolution comes. Mm-hmm. You've got to really pay attention to all the 
the history scenes of it all and it's a slog that means it's not an easy watch for an hour and a half even being an action movie yeah i mean it wants you can enjoy the war scenes that happen for 20 minutes yeah but... it wants to be a bad movie but it it makes you pay too much attention for it to be a bad movie i think it wanted to be a good movie but it ended up being a bad yeah. movie and even if it were yeah then you've got to pay too much mm-hmm. so yeah three no's three thumbs down from the three-armed reviewer vivo vivo lucas you sang the same fucking note as i did <laughs> i was just harmonized on that um so that's gonna be the end of d wars dragon wars that's it that's fucking it um we might have a guest next week maybe from you maybe why would you do that <laughs> from you maybe maybe we'll have carter or katie on eventually i've got things queued up for each of them if needed but so we'll there, there could be one of three guests we'll have to wait there and could see. be I no could, guests I, I i really respect the days of reliable guests like marina alex lucas when he was a guest yeah mm-hmm. kelly was like yeah i'll be on eric was like yeah i'll be on seth every time other now we're just waiting Waiting on a world to change. I was going to say that. (laughs) So that's the end of this week's episode. We'll see you next week. You know what to fucking do. Give us a like. Give us a review. Message us on Voice Anchor. Message us on Voice Anchor? Anchor, I hardly know her. Give us a voice message on Anchor. We hardly know her. I anchor this bitch so hard. (laughs) (laughs) Skadoosh. We just anchor so hard. And that's the end. God douche. Thank you for listening to The Good, The Bad, and The Movies. If you like the show, please like and follow us on Anchor and any other podcast sites we are located on. We would love to hear your feedback, so please leave us comments and reviews on our Instagram and Facebook pages at The Good, The Bad, The Movies. We will be back next week to deep dive into more movies, and remember, if it's it's good good and it's bad, it's it's probably probably the movies. movies.